Chapter Thirteen of The Rover Boys in the Jungle by Arthur M. Winfield. The Slippervox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Thirteen, A Rescue in Mid Ocean. Dick found that he could remain on the deck only with the greatest of difficulty. Several lifelines had been stretched around, and he clung to one of these. What has happened? he asked one of the sailors. What did we strike? Struck a small boat, was the answer. It had a colored man in it. We've just hauled the fellow on deck. Is he all right? No, he's about half dead, but the captain thinks he may get over it with care, and the sailor hurried away. Dick now saw several men approaching, carrying the form of the rescued one between them. He looked at the unconscious man and gave a cry of amazement. Alexander Pop! What a strange happening! Do you know the man? questioned Captain Cambion. I know him very well, answered Dick. He used to work at the military academy where my brothers and I were cadets. And the boy told Captain Cambion the particulars of Alexander Pop's disappearance from Putnam Hall. I am glad that I will be able to tell him that his innocence is established, he concluded. All providing we are able to bring him around to himself, Master Rover, returned the captain gravely. You think, then, that he is in bad shape? I hardly know what to think. We will take him below and do all we can for him. It was no easy matter to transfer Pop to one of the lower staterooms, but once placed on a soft berth, the rovers did all they could for him. It is like a romance, said Sam, while Randolph Rover was administering some medicine to the unconscious man. How thin he looks. He's been suffering from starvation, put in Dick. I suppose he gave that yell we heard with his last breath. All of the party watched over the colored man with tender care, and feeling that he could be in no better hands, the captain left him entirely in his friend's charge. When he comes to his senses, you can let me know, he said. Dick was watching by Pop's side, and Tom was at the foot of the berth when the colored man opened his eyes. As they rested on first one rover and then the other, he stared in utter astonishment. My gracious sakes alive, he gasped. Am I dreaming, or am I back to Putnam Hall again? Neither, Alec, replied Dick. You are safe on board an ocean steamer. Where y'all done come from? We are passengers on the steamer, said Tom. You were picked up several hours ago. Yes, but, but I can't understand his know-how, persisted the colored man, and he tried to sit up, only to fall back exhausted. Don't try to understand it, Alec, until you are stronger, said Dick. Would you like some hot soup? Anything, sir, anything. Why, I ain't had no regular meal in most a week, moaned the sufferer. Glory to heaven that I am saved. And then he said no more for quite a long while. The soup was already at hand, and it was Dick who fed it slowly and carefully, seeing to it that Pop should have no more than his enfeebled stomach could take care of. For overfeeding, so Mr. Rover had said, 
might kill the man. The next day, Pop was able to sit up, although still too weak to stand on his legs. He was continually praising heaven for his safety. I don't think I was a goner more than once, he said. I was on the ocean all alone about a week, I reckon, although I lost time of days after I'd been out two or three nights. I think I was most crazy. Perhaps you were, Alec, said Sam, but tell us how you got in that position. Dad am de queerest part of it, Master Rober, de queerest part of it. I got into de small boat for sleep, and the first thing I knew, I was miles and miles away from everything. Yes, sir, miles and miles away on the boundless ocean, and not so much as a fishing smack sail in sight. Golly, but wasn't I scared? I reckon I done most turned white. And Alec rolled his eyes around impressively. You were in a small boat attached to some steamer? That's it. I had been using the small boat for something, and left it overboard. Were you cut adrift? I don't think I was, but I ain't sure no how. What boat was it? The Harrison, from Brooklyn, bound to Cuba. Did you ship on her after you left Putnam Hall in such a hurry? I did, cause I didn't want the police to catch me. But say, as true as I stand here, mean sit here, I ain't guilty of stealing them watches and tanks. No, I ain't. And Alec raised both hands earnestly. Captain Putnam made a great mistake when he done suspect me. We know it, answered Dick quietly. We thought you innocent all along, Alec. Thank you for that, Master Roba. I's glad to see dat I's got one friend. Three friends, Alec. We all stood up for you, interrupted Tom. Thank you. Thank you. And we discovered who the real thief was, added Sam. What? You done found that out? Burst out Pop. And who was the black-hearted rascal? Jim Caven. That cadet what tried to be funny with me, and I had to show him his place? Hold on. I done see him coming from the attic one day. When he must have put those stolen articles in your trunk, said Tom. Yes, he was guilty. Captain Putnam was going to have him arrested, but he got away. Nothing would do for Alexander Pop after this, but that the boys give him the full particulars of the affair, to which he listened with the closest attention. But at the conclusion his face fell. I's mighty glad I am clear, he said, but I'd give a good deal to face the cap'n, just to see what he would say, eh? He said he was sorry he had suspected you, said Dick. What a big fool dis darky was to run away, murmured Alec meditatively. I wasn't cut out for no sailor man. I's been sick most every day since I left show. By the way, why is this ship bound? he went on. To Africa. Africa? Show you is fooling, Massa Dick. No, I am not. We and our uncle are bound for the Congo River. The Congo? That's where my great-grandfather done come from. So I heard my mammy tell, years ago, 
I don't want to go die, not me. I don't see how you are going to help yourself, Alec. The first stop this steamer will make will be at Boma on the Congo River. What am I to do when I gets die? Answer me dat, child. I'm sure I don't know. Perhaps the captain will let you remain on the Republic. What with de Frenchman? I don't think I could stand dat. And what am yo going to do in Africa? We are going on a hunt for my father, who has been missing for years. Again Alec had to be told the particulars, and again he was tremendously interested. When the boys had finished, he sat in silence for several minutes. I got it, just a ting, he cried suddenly. Got what? asked Tom. De right idea, Massa Tom. For gentlemen like yo don't want to go to Africa without a valet, no how. Let me be de working man for de crowd. I take de job cheap and glad of de chance. Hello, that's an idea, mused Dick. Will you do it, Massa Dick? We'll have to speak to my uncle about it first. Well, you'll put in a good word for me. You know, I always stood by yo in de school, pleaded the colored man. I don't want to be drifting around just nowhere with nothing to do and no money coming in. Not but what I work cheap, as I done said I would, he added hastily. A little later, Randolph Rover joined the group and Alec's proposition was laid before him. Strange to say, he accepted the colored man's offer immediately, greatly to the wonder of the boys, and from that minute on, Pop became a member of the searching party. I will tell you why I did it, explained Randolph Rover to the boys in private. When we get into the jungle, we will need a man we can trust, and one who is used to American ways. Moreover, if there is any spying to be done among the natives, the chances are that a black man can do it better than a white man. Uncle Randolph, you've got a long head, remarked Tom. No doubt Alec will prove just the fellow desired. And Tom was right, as later events proved. End of chapter 13